Hey, hey guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is that you have decided to click on getting uneven. As you know, I'm Alex Corson, I am your host of this podcast, and I am welcoming you to another fantastic episode. Uh, today we're going to be talking about some real cool stuff that is really a long history and a dark history. It has followed humans everywhere. Um, if you've looked on our social media, you know what it is already. It is human sacrifice. It is something that is as old as, even older than history itself. Um, but it still exists today. <clears throat> Before we get started, a few things to let you know. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys, as I always do, for listening today, for clicking on this podcast. Share the word. Share our posts and stuff like that if you get a chance, just to help get the word out. I really appreciate it. It just takes one click of a button. Tell your friends about us. And also, what I might try to start doing is uh, I enjoy... So before I had the job I'm at now, I was actually a wine and beer steward, uh, which is kind of odd and random. But... I enjoyed educating people and educating myself on different types of beer and wine. And they both have their own elegant histories and elegant sort of stories to each type of beer and each type of wine. Um, so I might actually um, introduce something new to the pages and to the podcast where I every week I introduce a new beer or wine that I'm trying. So we'll start that off right now. I'm recording this on a Saturday night, so why not? This is a uh, an IPA, India Pale Ale. It is by Rufftail Brewing, and it's actually made in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Um, not that, not crazy far from here. I'm just outside of Dallas. I'm between Dallas and Fort Worth in a town called Arlington. Um, this is called Hail Jucifer, and I'll put the picture up on. Facebook and Instagram for y'all to see, but it's actually an IPA made with blood orange, and I've got to tell you, a little bit of a ASMR there for you, me sipping, which I know was the most disgusting thing you've ever heard in your life. Uh, it is actually really smooth. I love IPAs. I love that piney, rindy taste they give you, but man, this thing is so smooth. Even my fiance, she, she, she's not the biggest fan of IPAs, but this thing is so smooth, she loves it. It is, it's amazing, guys. It's so great. It's not bitter. It's it's just a great, it's got a little bit of that IPA kick, but man, it is so good, so smooth. So I really want to give a shout out to them. Um, I actually got it at Whole Foods. Um, so once again, it's called Hail Jucifer. It's got like a, a goat on the front, of course. It's like a black and reddish can. Mm, so if you hear me pause for a little bit, it's not because I'm thinking. Um, it's because I'm drinking. So... Drink, don't think. That's my motto for this podcast, this episode. Alrighty, guys, so let's go ahead and get started with human sacrifice. I'm so excited, not for human sacrifice, of course, but to sort of, you know, talk about it. So let me tell you how this episode's going to play out, how it's going to pan out. Um, first, I'm going to define it. We're gonna We're going to go ahead and define what human sacrifice is. Um, and then we are going to sort of go in through, of course, it has some religious sort of 
basis. So we're going to go through some actual religious um, examples of it, um, like in texts. Then we're going to go through some actual ancient, uh, you know, examples of it that happened in history. And then, like I said before, guys, this is not going to be something that is only that is strictly pagan and old school and you know history class kind of stuff. This is headlining newspaper website stuff. There is something that happened, like I said, this year that we're recording in 2020. This very year. And this is February, so it happened very recently. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. Okay, so let's go ahead and define human sacrifice. Okay, so in this case, for this episode, we are defining human sacrifice as something uh, killing humans voluntarily or involuntarily with the intention of bringing good fortune um, to you or blessing something or a group or bringing or pacifying gods or deities or spirits or ancestors or flying spaghetti monsters. Um, you know, from a lot of historical occurrences, we mostly see it starting with Neolithic or nomadic cultures, sort of those those cultures that are on the emergent edge of civilization. They're right there from where societies are going to start when we start agriculture and actually domesticating grains. Um, so, like I said, let's get into the religious origins of sacrifice. So we're going to go with one of the oldest Western religions, which is going to be Judaism. So in the teachings of the Torah and the Tanakh, um, there's a lot of familiarity with human sacrifice. Um, there's the near sacrifice of I Isaac by his father Abraham in Genesis, uh, Genesis 22 to be exact. Um, and some believe that uh, Jephthah's daughter was actually sacrificed in Judges. There's reference to that, uh, Judges 11. Um, so actually, you know, in the book of Micah, one of the characters asks in reference to his sins, Shall I give my firstborn for my sin, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So right here, guys, we are laying the basis for what human sacrifice means. Shall I give my firstborn son the greatest thing a human can create, which is life, which by any way you want to define it is basically a miracle, creating life. For my sin. For something I've done. That's bad. The fruit of my body. For the sin of my soul. The thing that I create. That comes from my body. That is living. The fruit of my body. For the sin of my soul. I would give up something that I can create. That comes from me. That means so much to me. That is the reason I'm here. The reason an apple tree exists is to create apples. The reason I'm here is to create this life. This is my fruit. But I'm willing to give it to you to relieve my soul of this sin. So it's religious. It is purely for the soul. 
Um, you know, but there were other ways too. There were, of course, animal sacrifices. So, uh, a korban was a kosher animal that was sacrificed, a sacrifice of a kosher animal. So, a bull, sheep, goat, or dove that underwent something called um, shechita or uh, shechita, however you want to say it. It's a Jewish sort of ritual slaughter. So then we move into its uh, to the next sort of evolution in that, which is of course Christianity. So this is where the big one comes in. So of course Christianity is sort of a in the way religions worked. It was sort of a I'm not going to say a stepping stone because I don't want it to seem like it's better than Judaism. I'm not playing favorites here, but it sort of played off of the original laws and writings of Judaism. It did some different stuff, of course, but um, the Old Testament is a lot of Judaism. Um, so the biggest sacrifice we see there, there are a lot of sacrifices of people giving things up, but let's go back to, before we get here, we're going to go back to the to Judaism and Exodus and all that stuff. When uh, the plagues come over Egypt, one of them is the killing of the firstborn. And in order to escape this plague, you have to sacrifice a lamb and smear its blood over your door or place an X on the door, depending on which translation you read. So I'm giving up the lamb of God, not the metal band, the badass metal band, but the lamb of God sacrificing the Lamb of God to save my family. So, in Christianity, there weren't sacrifices, but there was. Not by humans. By God. God makes the greatest sacrifice. He sacrifices His only Son in Christianity. He replaced the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God was Jesus, called the Christ. So, it's a huge sacrifice. It's sort of like the character in the book of Micah. Shall I give my firstborn son for my sin? His only son was given for the sin of everybody else. Um, now, if we look at Islam, uh, there is something, and I apologize if I mispronounce this. I do terribly. Uh, Dabiha. I probably just totally did terrible on that. Meaning, sacrifice is a ritual is offered in Eid ul Adha. The sacrificial animal can be a sheep, a goat, a camel, or a cow. The animal must be healthy and conscious. So now we're talking about killing something while it's alive and all these different things, not putting it down, like putting it to sleep and then killing it at sleep or anything. In Hinduism, in the Sanskrit um, Yana, Yajna, I apologize, um, it is something that is used to describe the offering of ghee, um, sort of just clarified butter, using grain, spices, and wood into a fire, and then you're chanting a sacred mantra. The, the fire is there to represent something called the Agni, which is the divine messenger who carries offerings to the devas. Um, the offerings can represent devotion, aspiration, seeds of past karma. Um, now, you could also sacrifice milk, ghee, curds, grains, um, the soma plant and animal, but animal offerings were less common. So we see that a lot of times in the East, we don't see as many human sacrifices in the original sort of, uh, you know, religious practices. But that's going to change over time. Um, 
some of the more nomadic things and um some people are going to see that a little differently so um like i said before um human sacrifice is sort of intended to bring good fortune passed by the gods so let's get into some quick examples in ancient japan legends talk about something called Hitoba Shira. So let me give you an advance warning. I'm going to butcher a lot of things here. There are a lot of foreign words that I'm going to absolutely butcher. I'm starting it off right now. Hitoba Shira, which means human pillar, um, in which maidens were buried alive at the base or near some constructions to protect the building against disasters or enemy attacks. You see almost the same thing in the Balkans later on. But that is insane. Women were buried alive at the base of a building to protect it from enemy attacks or disasters. That is... that We're starting this off already pretty insane. Before we go any further, I'm just going to take one quick break, you guys. Okay, guys, so now we are going to talk about the Aztecs. So in 1487, uh, they have, of course, the Great Pyramid of uh, Tenochtitlan. I apologize so much. We all know what we're talking about. Um, you can look this up. T-E-N-O-C-H-I-C-H-T-I-T-L-A-N. Um, it's actually reported, um, in a book called Aztec Warfare by Ross Hasig, um, that they they wanted to sacrifice, um, they wanted to sacrifice people for, to dedicate this pyramid. And it's reported that they killed approximately over 80,000 prisoners. 80,000 prisoners. And if that's not even crazy enough, that's four days. Four days. Four days they killed 80,000 prisoners. That's 20,000 a day. That's a little less than 1,000 an hour, which is... What, 16 a minute? Which is one every four seconds. That is... That's that's just crazy. I can't even fathom that. You know, one every four seconds, basically? That's nuts. Um, that's, that's insane. So we're starting this off crazy. Um, of course, in the Homer- Homeric legend, um, during the Trojan War, um... I believe it was uh, Iphigenia was to be sacrificed by her father Agamemnon to appease Artemis. So um, she would allow the Greeks to wage the Trojan War. So this guy was going to he sacrifice was going to sacrifice his own daughter. Um, for the people like the Egyptians, some Mesoamerican chiefs, Mongols, and um, Scythians, their thoughts were more towards the afterlife. Um, the deceased would benefit from 
victims killed at their funeral. Um, they would take servants, concubines, and take them with them into the next world. Uh, this was sort of called a retainer sacrifice. Um, they would retain people um, in the afterlife. So they would be sacrificed and taken to the next world. Um, so imagine you're serving this person. And I don't know if you're having a good life or not. But you're serving this person your entire life. They die. And suddenly maybe you're thinking, oh man, I'm finally out of their hair. And then it's like, nope, we're going to cut your throat or burn you alive or something. And you're going to go serve them in the next life. Um, so another really interesting thing we're going to see. I'm not really going in any certain order right now. I'm just sort of giving you some you guys some examples. Um, so some people that were really big into human sacrifice, obviously the Aztecs were worth 80,000 people in four days, the Celts. Um, according to the historian Strabo, the Celts would stab a victim with a sword and they would divine their future from his death spasms. So they take a guy, they lay him out, and they stab him. And his spasms, his death twitch would really, it, they thought it would show them the future. So my fiance and I were talking about it before. It's like, oh, his shoulder moves in a certain way. Oh, you're going to have a lot of weight on your shoulders. Oh, you're going to have this. Oh, his foot moved a certain way. You should not attack this certain tribe, right? You're going to get kicked out or something like that. So it's sort of like tarot cards or throwing the bones or reading the tea leaves, Except with death spasms. It almost reminds me of in 300 when they have the oracle up there and they, it's the young girl and she like is doing the dance and whatnot and they're determining certain things from that dance. Um, Headhunting is sort of a, can be sort of put in this, seen in this. Um, Taking the head of a killed adversary for ceremonial or or magical purposes. Um, a lot of tribal societies did this. Um, and it can be actually a ritual practiced in a stable society, believe it or not. This is not places that are like falling apart back in the day. Um, it can actually be like a societal sort of bond. It can actually bring this society together because they're doing it ritually and it's bringing them closer together. Um, you know, a family who kills together, right? Um, but also you're, it's, it's can be sort of combined with capital punishment, removing individuals that have a negative effect on societal stability. So you're taking out the people who don't believe the same thing as you, whether that's for good or bad, you take them out and you're a sacrifice to the gods, but also, like we said, you're taking them out so you have more like-minded people together. So these societies are becoming stronger within themselves. Whether that's for good or for bad, they're becoming stronger. Mm. It's, I'm hailing Jucifer right now, sorry. Um, but it can also have the other effect. It can also just be an outburst of... It can result in an outburst of blood frenzy. And mass killings that sort of destabilize society. So, for instance, take, for instance, Europe or America. The witch hunts or the French Revolution, the, the reigns of terror that happened there. It just turned into this bloodlust, this blood frenzy. People just went crazy, killing everything. And that really destabilized society. 
Um, you know, getting back to religious stuff, Phoenicians and Carthaginians actually sacrificed um, infants to their gods. Um, this isn't the first time we see this. Actually, the Bible actually talks about something called a trophid um, to the god Moloch. Trophid is a roasting place. Not a resting place, a roasting place, like where you what you do with marshmallows over a campfire. Um, there was a single child cemetery, a trophid, found by archaeologists, where an estimated 20,000 urns were deposited. 20,000 urns with at least one infant in each urn. Like, that is, whew, that's a lot. Um, you know, this also goes to, right now, Vikings are big. And the Norse did this as well. Um, we Not the infants, but we talked about the retainer sacrifice for the Egyptians. Taking their uh, concubines and stuff to the next life. Well, the Norse warriors would do this too. Sometimes they would be buried with enslaved women. Um, that they would become their wives. They believed they would become their wives in Valhalla. Um, so, for instance, there was a Scandinavian chieftain. Um... And then a slave actually volunteers. She would volunteer to die with him. After 10 days of festivity, so drinking and partying and sex, she is stabbed to death or has her cutthroat by an old woman referred to as, don't laugh, a vulva or an angel of death. And then they are burnt um, together with, um, with the dead chieftain in his boat. That was the process. And then they would meet up in Valhalla and she would become his wife. It was a great honor for her. Um, in China, we talk, We haven't talked a lot about Asia yet. But in China, some slaves were buried with their owners. Um, the practice was actually started by Duke Wu, the 10th ruler of uh, the, Quint, the Quin Dynasty, who had 66 people buried with him in 678 BC. Then the 14th ruler, Duke Mu, had 177 people buried with him in 621 BC, um, including three senior government officials. So 177 people to be buried with him, to serve him in the afterlife. That is a little excessive, maybe. Um, in India, Asia again, uh, human sacrifice is mainly known as Narabali. Nara means man and Bali means sacrifice. It takes place in some parts of India, um, mostly, believe it or not, to find lost treasure. Now, I know that everybody loves this place for vacation. Hawaii. Um, they did have some animal and some blood sacrifice back in the day. Um, the people of Fiji actually used to practice something called widow strangling, which is pretty straightforward. You're a widow, your husband dies, we strangle you. Um, but then they adopted Christianity, and Christians were like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, but it's really interesting. So let's talk about now, sort of, we had talked about the Aztecs, but let's talk about the, um, the Central Americans, Native Americans a little bit. Because there's some really interesting stuff. Because we had a lot of really interesting things when the Europeans start to go over in the 15th, 16th century and start to see these people. Um, they start to really take great notes on their 
practices. Um, so Friar Marcos de Niza in 1539 was writing of the Chichimecas uh, of southern Mexico. Uh, he said that from time to time, um, this is what he said. This is a quote from him in his notes. They of this valley cast lots whose luck or honor it shall be to be sacrificed. And they make him great cheer on whom the lot falls. And with great joy they crown him with flowers upon a bed prepared in the said ditch, all full of flowers and sweet herbs, on which they lay him along, and lay great store of dry wood on both sides of him. So before we get go on, basically they've taken a guy, they've they've all drawn lots, and whoever gets this lot picks the shortest stick or whatever it may be. He has the honor now. They he ha, he's been being honored. He they're cheering him on. They're laying him down on these flowers and dried stuff, and then they get dry wood on either side of him. And he says, and they set it on fire on either part, and so he dies. And that the victim took great pleasure in being sacrificed. So, sort of like the Norse, these Chichimecas of southern Mexico in the 16th century, they would pick somebody. Um, this person wouldn't volunteer, though, like the Norse. They would pick somebody. He'd be, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're so awesome. You're so good. Awesome. Let's lay you down. We're going to burn you, and you're going to love it. And they would love it. They saw it as a great honor. They were dying with honor. I had to hail Jucifer after reading that. Um, so, the Native Americans, sort of pre-Columbian, they actually played something that would be, is called Ulama. U-L-A-M-A. Um, we, today, sort of call it the Mesoamerican ball game. Now, let me tell you how this worked. So, there's a modern version of it, but we're going to go to the ancient version because this is what we're talking about. Um, so, they would play this recreationally, but it was also used for disputes between rulers. So, let's say two tribes or two villages had a dispute over whatever it may be. Land, religious practices, marriage, whatever it may be. They would play this ulama, this Mesoamerican ball game. So it's kind of like racquetball, which is where you're bouncing a ball back and forth. Now, I want to talk about this ball. These guys were very fit. And I can tell you this because this ball was anywhere from 10 to 12 inches wide. Which, you know, is like maybe a large dodgeball. This thing was made of rubber, which I'm not going to lie, I didn't know they had rubber back then. But, this ball, made of rubber, 10 to 12 inches wide could weigh anywhere from 3 to 9 pounds. Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. 3 to 9 pounds of rubber bouncing this thing back and forth, trying to keep it in play. Now, you were allowed to use your hips, uh, forearms, stuff like that. You could also use rackets, maybe, sometimes, or bats, or handstones, if they came up with that later. But... It was absolutely just insane, the game was. Now, here's what happened. 
the dispute occurs, they play this game, and they played the 21 or 10 or whatever they did. And the losing ruler would be sacrificed. Not just killed, but sacrificed. And so therefore, there's no more disputing it after that. Guess what? My religion is better than yours, or my thought is better than yours, and you can't say crap about it because you're dead. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting, that game. The Aztecs, we already talked about them. Um, that they uh, sacrificed over 80,000 people to um, the god, oh god, here we go, Huitzilopochtli. That was awful. Uh, they wanted to restore the blood he lost as the sun was engaged in a daily battle. Human sacrifices um, would prevent the end of the world that would happen on each cycle of 52 years. So, of course, they built the Great Pyramid um, in 1487, and they reconsecrated it, and they killed over 80,000 prisoners. So, that is insane. Um, on to Africa. Uh, in Dahomey, when a ruler died, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of prisoners would be slain. Um, and one of these ceremonies, actually in semi-recent times, 1727, as many as 4,000 people were killed in ritual because a ruler died. Even earlier than this, um, 1817 in Tonga, a child was strangled to assist the recovery of a sick relative. So this is where we're going to be seeing stuff. This is more modern. This is only... This is a little over 200 years ago. This is... You know, this is not something that is... a thousand years ago. This is... You know... In... You know... Just two millennia, you know, I mean, two millennia, you know, two centuries ago. This is something that happened, I said, 1817. It's not that far. It's eight generations ago, nine generations ago. Um, but we're going to see even more modern stuff. Um, so it's really interesting, um, all that stuff. But there was actually also one more thing. Uh, cannibalism that would happen in uh, Tanganyika. Uh, there was actually a group called the Lion Men that committed an estimated 200 murders in a single three-month period. Um, but they also cannibalized. They also ate these people that they killed. Um, but yeah, so that's all ancient stuff. And that's just showing you that this stuff has gone on. That's just a little bit of what I found, guys. Those were some of the really interesting things. I just wanted to get a taste from all over the world. Um, I didn't want to seem like I was picking on one area in particular. But now, we are going to talk about the really disturbing stuff. The stuff you came for. We're going to talk about the modern cases of ritual sacrifice. This stuff all happened within the last hundred years. Some of it happened within the last few years. Or this year, like I said... This is going to be intense. So grab your beer along with me and listen up. Unless you're driving or at work. Or something else where you shouldn't drink. Alright guys, before we get into it, let me take one quick break. I'm sorry. 
Okay, so we're going to get into a little bit of a disclaimer here. Uh, I'm going to go into some of the details about some of these. And some of these monitor things are going to be pretty graphic and brutal. Uh, so just a heads up, of course, I think you guys can handle it. But if you have kids or anything, or if you're weak stomached, then, you know, watch out. Okay, got that out of the way. Uh, once again, we're going to go all over the world. But we're going to start off in South America and sort of move up. Brazil. And between 1989 and 1993, I was born right between there. Um, there were several children, um, boys, who were raped and had their genitalia mutilated for what would appear to be ritual purposes. And then they were stabbed to death. It's believed that the boys' sexual organs were used in rites of black magic. Um, that's, like I said, guys, this is going to get really dark, really graphic. In Chile, in 1960, there were uh, some earthquakes, and because of that, tsunamis. Um, and they were really bad. Somebody, a local... Um, Makai, or Machi, named Juana uh, Namuncura, demanded the sacrifice of the grandson of a neighbor. Uh, his name was Juan Pancura, the neighbor, in order to calm the earth and the ocean. Um, the boy, his name was Jose Luis Pancura, uh, Pancura, I'm not sure how to say it, I'm sorry, um, and he was five years old. He was sacrificed, killed and sacrificed in order to try to stop these earthquakes. Um, and you know, like I said, that was in the 60s, you know, 60 years ago. You know, um, my dad was nine at the time. Okay, so let's get to Mexico now, really close. I'm in Texas. This is Mexico, our direct neighbor to the south. Um, in 1963, a small cult in Nuevo Leon was founded by two brothers. Um, the two brothers were named Santos and Cayetano Hernandez. They committed anywhere between eight and 12 murders during some really bloody rituals that included drinking human blood. Um, the cult was actually initially just a scan to obtain money and sexual favors, but then a prostitute named uh, Magdalena Solis, she entered this organization, and she actually inaugurated the human sacrifice, inspired by our old friends, the Aztecs. Uh, she did it to control the disciples. So they wanted to get money and sex and drugs and rock and roll. They were like, let's start a cult just to do this stuff. But then they got a prostitute in because they wanted the sex. And she was more than just a call girl. She started having them do ritual, ritualistic sacrifices. So we have between 8 and 12 murders that happen by the Hernandez brothers because of this. In the 80s, there's going to be, this is actually a pretty famous case, um, a drug dealer and a cult leader named Adolfo Costanzo. 
Uh, he actually orchestrated several executions uh, because of rituals that actually included the victim's dismemberment. Um, he had several accomplices, um, and one was named Sarah Aldretti, a woman who participated in uh, she participated actively in around 15 murders between 87 and 89, 1987, 1989. This is actually a really famous case. There were some spring breakers that were going down to like a border town. On uh, This is right near the border of Texas and Mexico. And uh, they were partying it up, and one of them was kidnapped, taken, killed, and buried with a wire attached to his spine so that when he started to decompose they could pull up the spine and the rib cage and things like that. This Adolfo Costanzo actually had uh, jewelry made of human bones of fingers and toes and teeth and things like that. He was a really messed up dude. But once again, this is all in the name of human sacrifice. Um, now we're going to get really close. In 2010, this is after I graduated high school, and 2010, just 10 years ago, from when this is being recorded, a serial killer named Sylvia Miraz, Miraz committed three murders in sacrificial rituals. With the help of her family, her family, she beheaded two boys who were both relatives, and one woman in front of an altar dedicated to Santa Muerte. She killed two boys related to her and a woman at an altar. She beheaded them. Cut their heads clean off. Ten years ago, this is not something that was done 800 years ago. I cannot stress this enough. This is not done 800 years ago by a primitive peoples without any kind of evidence of anything else. These are people living nowadays with cell phones and access to the internet and amazing things and people that they're they're beheading people for sacrificial reasons. I'm not doing this to bash anybody's religion, but it's just amazing that this is still going on, you know? Um you never know Who's sitting on the bus next to you? When you're sitting in a bar, you see that guy sitting back there quietly staring around the bar, sitting in the dark corner. It might not be Aragon waiting for something to happen. It could be some guy waiting to strike, waiting to kill, waiting to take somebody home. There's one more in Mexico, but we're going to save that for last. So now we're going to move over to Asia. Uh, in March of 2010... A 26-year-old laborer in Bangladesh was killed by his fellow workers on the orders of the owners after a fortune teller suggested that a sacrifice would make the bricks more red. That human sacrifice would make the bricks more red. This is not something for religion. This is not something to appease gods. This is simply to make bricks more red. And a fortune teller told him to kill somebody. And these workers gladly did it. Oh, I got a hell juicifer after that one. I'm sacrificing my liver tonight for all this stuff.
Now, let's go to something messed up again. India. India isn't messed up. Not really. But in 2003, Madan and Murti Samaru, they're a couple, and they have a daughter. But like a lot of cultures over there, they wanted a son. But unfortunately, nature said no. They didn't have a son. So they went to see a tantric guru. In case you don't know what tantric means, it means somebody sort of extremist. So they went to see a tantric guru. And he said to kidnap and sacrifice a boy on the banks of a river. And that their their wishes would come true. So, uh, one night in 2003, like I said, the couple and the guru went and kidnapped their six-year-old neighbor, Manu Kumar. They kidnapped him. They took him to the river where he was mutilated and killed. His blood flowed into the river. A six-year-old. The guru chanted sacred mantras and the husband bathed in this six-year-old boy's blood. They did this because they wanted their own son. They took somebody's son away so they could try to have their own for what they believed would work. They were eventually um, prosecuted, convicted, and I don't know what their sentence was, but they were found guilty of murder. Um, in India also, there was a seven-year-old girl that was dismembered and her liver was buried to ensure a better harvest. This is very old school type of stuff, you guys. 